Hello and welcome to the Baggies Broadcast episode 9. Uh, it's myself, Luke Hatfield, here along with just the one guest today, uh, but someone you all recognise well, our West Brom correspondent, Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you today? Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It only feels like yesterday we recorded the last podcast, but we're back in here already. Um, and we'll get straight into it. Uh, a game you went to over the weekend, West Brom hosted Manchester United of all teams. Uh, and it's fair to say it was a, it was a bit of a plucky performance for Albion, but... You know, no no points in the end. I mean, that's what it comes down to. No points for Alan Pardew's men. How was the game? I think first half they were pretty poor. Um, they looked quite jaded from the midweek exploits at Liverpool. Um, and fair play to Pardew. He came out afterwards and said, you know, I, I should have made more changes. He only made the one change um, from Wednesday's game, which was uh, Oliver Burke coming in for his first start um, in place of Hal robson Um And Burke had, a, had an interesting game. You know, he, he looked good on the ball. Running forward at at the United back line, um, mm. you know his pace. He's got electric pace. He does, and he looks like he could be quite threatening if if utilised correctly. Um, but defensively, um, he looks still raw. And he made a few errors, um, you know, at the back and uh, might have closed down the cross for Lukaku's goal a bit better as well. So, yeah, I think he he, he looks like a player that needs coaching. Um, mm-hmm. On the whole, I thought they were pretty flat first half. I think you know fair play to Pardew for. Recognising that and making a change at half-time, bringing Barry on for Jakob, who did improve things uh, and, of course, got the goal. Uh, but the big, I suppose, the big talking point or the, or the big change um, that Pardew made was the third substitution, which was Chris Brunt, mm-hmm. who came on and had an immediate impact um, and just shows, um, I suppose, what he brings to the team with his, um, not only his delivery from dead ball situations, you know, he put in two corners, which were absolutely fantastic, and one of them led to the goal. Yeah. The other one might have gone in on another day. David De Gea had to snatch it off the line. But also, from open play, you know, I think one of the first things he did was slip Rondon through on goal. Mm-hmm. He also put a cross on Jay Rodriguez's head. Um, and, and, you know, that flashed just wide. So, interesting and, and you know, a really big impact that Brunt made. And, and, and it was, um, you know, good to see him back on the pitch. I think he's been overlooked somewhat mm-hmm. this season, perhaps unfairly, because he was a really crucial part of the team last season. Yeah, and you did say that Alan Pardew admitted afterwards that he didn't get the team selection quite right. Is this an issue of fatigue? I mean, is a fest- the festive period is always going to be a busy one, but was it fatigue more than anything which really played against them? It was fatigue, I would say, and mental and physical. You know, they they exerted a lot of um, effort uh, at Anfield, both mental and mentally and physically. You know, mm-hmm. you know, and I think they just lacked that spark in the first half. That you know, they lacked that ambition as well. And I thought. Krakowiak in particular started quite well actually and then he just tailed off dramatically after the first 15-20 minutes and yeah. looked like a, it looked like he couldn't pass the ball to anybody um, and that was worrying um, after he played well in midweek. Jakob too looked he looked like a passenger for times, Livermore as well and then that midfield three just lacked the drive forward that they that they had at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think um, it, yeah, it was a bit of a after the Lord Mayor show, really, but um, you know, as you say, another another game goes by, another gutsy defeat. I mean, they can they can take some heart from the fact that they did fight back and they made Man United work for it. And um, but I do think that Man United weren't at their best and they weren't at the races really. And I think on another day, it was sort of an opportunity missed in a way because they United sort of stumbled into a two goal lead. They weren't that good I thought in the first or even the second half at all 
I think on another day, Albion could have got a point or maybe more from that. So mm. um, maybe an opportunity missed. But yeah, you know, I can take heart from uh, the second half. But at some point, you know, these these potential promising performances have to turn into wins. Yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. That was my next question. I was going to ask you if it was a missed opportunity because, I mean, in all fairness to United, they, they looked a little bit jaded themselves. I mean, I've only seen the highlights. I wasn't there for the entire 90 minutes, but they weren't exactly this explosive team which were blowing up in other water, were they? They weren't at all. And Mourinho particularly was just sitting on the dugout. He looked like, he faced like a slapped arse. I don't know what was wrong with him. I think mm. maybe, you know, the fact that he's so far behind Manchester City in the title race, he, he just seems like he can't get his team up mm. for these sorts of games, or him he, he can't get up for these sorts of games. He looked miserable throughout the whole the whole <laughs> process, which was strange. Pardew, meanwhile, looked bang up for it. He was on the edge of his technical area, you know, dictating play, even though his plays didn't really look good mm-hmm. in the first half. But whatever he said at half-time did seem to work, and the change that he made for Barry did work as well, bringing Barry on. Um, and all the subs did well, actually. You know, Rodriguez had a bit of a goal threat and, and Bron, as we've already touched on. So, interesting, interesting times. I think Pardew deserves the benefit of the doubt. He's still getting to know these players. He's still getting to... He still doesn't know what his best team is, I don't think. He still wants to try a few players in a few different positions. You know, we tried Burke through the middle in the second half, which I actually thought he did a lot better through the middle. Um, mm. I thought he was more in the game then. Um, but Pardew afterwards said that he, he preferred Jay Rodriguez there when he came on, and you can um, you can understand that because Rodriguez posed perhaps more of a goal threat, um, and that's where we see Rodriguez moving forward in that nice sort of number ten position. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it would have been great to have got a point. I think they probably deserved a point in the end, but they didn't get one. Um, but yeah, gutsy defeats don't get you anywhere. And it, you know, this game against Stoke coming up now, a struggling Stoke side. Yeah. Is absolutely massive. Yeah, and you said like the three players who did come on: Barry, uh, McLean, and and uh, Rodriguez. Oh, Brunt, sorry, Brunt, and sorry, uh, Brunt, Rodriguez, and Barry. Sorry, uh, they all did well. Are these three players who we can expect to see starting now against Stoke? Well, I'd be surprised if Brunt didn't start against Stoke because what he gives you is that quality of delivery into the box. Mm-hmm. Without, I'm not saying without him on the pitch, there's no quality, but. There are very few players that can do that. Um, and you just have to look at the corner Krakowiak took in the first half where he duffed it into the first man, which mm. for someone on £108,000 a week is absolutely criminal. Yeah. Um, Brunt, meanwhile, every corner he he puts it in a dangerous position. Every corner wreaks havoc. Um, but it's not just from, you know, he's not a one-trick pony. It's not just from dead ball situations that he's dangerous. He can also pick a pass, also plays it forward with it, with, it, with you know preciseness and incision and that's not something that Livermore and, and Krakowiak and, and Jakob struggle to do so I think Brunt deserves to be on the pitch where he plays I'm not sure because do you play him in central midfield I don't know if he's maybe got the legs for that do you mm. play him on the left wing well that could work with Gibbs bombing on overlapping that yeah. might work um, although McLean has looked okay in the past few games um, he's not going to get in at left back because Gibbs has Played pretty well, it has to be said. Um, so I think that's that's a question. Rodriguez, you know, if they're playing, Pardew's played a four-five-one or a four-three-three formation in the last two games against the big sides, but he's he has sort of favoured a four-four-two against the the lesser sides. Mm-hmm. So maybe going to Stoke, he might think four-four-two with, with Rodriguez up front gives him um, the best opportunity to score. And uh, Gareth Barry, he's a big fan of Gareth Barry, and. Um, I'd be surprised if Barry wasn't in the starting lineup uh, for that Stoke game as well, because um, 
although he's been inconsistent this season, I think, you know, he's played brilliantly in games and also looked a bit poor in other games. He does when he when he is on song. He does give you that sort of composure and possession that uh, and the ability to pick a pass that mm. others in that midfield area perhaps don't have. Yeah, I mean, do you think it's strange to see Rodriguez coming in off the bench? Because I know he's not a Pardew player. Uh, Pardew didn't sign him, but I mean, surely he's one of the most creative players. He's probably the player who you know in this summer was there's most excitement around. I mean, there was a lot of excitement around Burke as well because of the price tag. But Rodriguez was probably the most proven for me anyway. Um, it's interesting so, you say that because I think Krikoviak was the one people were getting very excited oh, about. Oh yeah, of course. Wrongly or rightly, I mean, some people who had never seen him play um, thought, you know, this was a fantastic signing. I mean, myself included, I'd never seen him play, but mm-hmm. you look at his pedigree and you think, well, yeah, I mean, he could he could do the business. Um, you know, I, I wrote a piece after the Anfield game saying we could see the best out of him, and then it seemed to be one step forward, two steps back for him because I thought he was really poor um, against Man United and. Pardew made some noises that he wasn't fit when um, he arrived and that seemed to be the case, I thought. Um, mm. Going back to Rodriguez, though, yeah, I, I, I've I've always thought that Rodriguez has it in him to score the goals to keep Albion up. I, I still think that's there. You know, he, he, he gets more shots off than Rondon and y- yes, I know he can be wasteful at times, but I just feel like one or two goals and it will click for him and then, mm. then he'll, he'll, he'll start scoring. But you can't, deny that you know he's only scored I think it's only three league goals in 2017 with Southampton and West Brom so that's not a great stat you know I don't you can see why perhaps he's been he's been dropped recently um I, I still think he's got that that finishing touch if you know what I mean yeah more so than Rondon who actually has been improved since Pulis left and then has looked better in the past few games but still doesn't look really like scoring yeah um he looks like one of those strikers who brings other players into play, holds the ball up well, hustles and bustles, takes def- takes defenders out of the game, and then allows forwards like you know the likes of Phillips or Chadley or Morrison or whoever it is to get around him and score, which was sort of what was happening last last year, you know, yeah. last season. So I think that is Rondon's role more. And for me, if you can get Rondon and Rodriguez to work together correctly. Um, it's probably going to be Rodriguez that gets the goals, but Rondon who sets them up, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 certainly does. Um, one man who um, is now a permanent Albion player, we'll move on to uh, uh, Mr. Ahmed Hagazi. Uh, Matt, the news broke today, uh, we're, we're recording this on Monday, so if you're listening later, it was earlier on this week. Um, what are the details around the deal involving him? Well, basically, when he joined on loan um, from the Egyptian club Al Ali in the summer, included in that season-long loan was an option to buy him mm-hmm. before June the 30th. Now, it was always thought that Albion would probably take that option up next summer, um, even after the first few games. Mm-hmm. I got the impression that they were thinking of doing that because they thought, well, yeah, he's, he's, he's settled in, he looked quite well. I mean, things can change in the season. He could have got a, a nasty injury or something like that. I don't think they really envisaged him becoming as important as he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he made a few errors early on in his Albion career. You know, the one at Stoke, and he, and, and he, and he is guilty sometimes of uh, getting a bit too tight to his man, coming out of position a little bit. But I think he's really, really improved in the last few weeks. Um, he's making far fewer errors now, um, and he's doing all the things that he was doing before, which which was catching the eye, you know, striding out from the back, mm-hmm. winning all those... Um, headers, clearing the ball, um, putting in those tackles and blocks that he does, 
and he's doing all that even better now. So Albion have decided um, to activate um, the clause in his loan deal early, before mm-hmm. January, to stop anybody sniffing around. Um, you know, Liverpool were circling. There were rumours they were interested. Um, and when you've got, you know, the big six clubs, all, all I think all of them really looking, maybe apart from May United, looking for centre-backs, yeah. needing centre-backs, I think it's a wise move from Albion, just as though he doesn't get his head turned um, early on and, and sort of just locks him in now. Mm-hmm. He's signed a four and a half year contract, so he's here till 2022. Um, that's quite a long deal mm-hmm. um, for someone who's, you know, who's um, been at the club for, was it, 17 or 18 games. But I think he has done enough in that time to suggest he deserves it. Um, the price is 5 million euros. So it's a real snip. But, I mean, for a centre-back who, who's shown, you know, he's got some quality, he's a real snip at that price. And in this day and age, absolutely. Mm. I mean, you, you look at other centre... You, know, you look at the prices that were being bandied around in the summer for players like Ben Gibson and, you know, even Johnny Evans. And um, I'm not saying guys is as good as Evans, but what, you know... Players are going for more and more these days. I mean, just look at Oliver Burke. He, he came for £15 million, pounds, uh, almost paying for potential there. The guys, he's 26. He's the right age. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's got um, for me. He he he's got the hallmarks of of Jonas Olsen. Um, mm. You know, he when he arrived, it, he arrived for eight hundred and seventy thousand pounds. Was it? I mean, that was probably the equivalent of what four and a half million is in today's market, maybe. Yeah. Both cult figures. Both you know, um, sort of big, striding, no nonsense defenders. You give it their all, wear their heart on their sleeves. I mean, if you look at the stats for this season, Higazi's made something like 125 clearances for the baggies. Yeah. Second on the list is Evans with 61. So it's more than double anybody else. He's a mad mountain at the back sometimes. Um, and I think he's only behind Shane Duffy and um, uh, James Tarkovsky in, in the Premier League in that list. So he's been superb. I think he's getting better as well as the league goes on, you know. Um, you've got to remember that. It took, you know, Nemanja Vidic um, time to mm-hmm. um, to acclimatise to the Premier League. I think Agassi's just getting better and better as each game to go past. If anyone was at Anfield, they, you know, he was absolutely superb at that in that game. Um, so yeah, good business by Albion in my opinion, a no-brainer for me. And they've done it before January, basically to stop other clubs sniffing around. Yeah, and he's he's done well to endear himself to the fan base as well, which I think has really helped him out. Um, whenever whenever you're at the Hawthorns, you know the fans are always behind him. And then we've seen him come up with a goal as well. I mean, opening day against Bournemouth. I mean, he's come up and he's he's nodded one hit one in, which does for me ring a little bit like Olsen uh, in that respect. I mean, he, he is good for the old goal, isn't he? Yes, he is. Doesn't score as many as Gareth McCauley though. Yeah. Who <laughs> um, got seven last season? Or even Craig Dawson, for that matter. So, yeah, I'd like to... I mean, if you're being picky, you'd like to see him score more goals. But that's not really his fault. That, um, you know, I mean, I know Johnny Evans said the other week that they they attack as in the defenders a team. Um, but I think, you know, the goal-scoring problems you have to lay at the door of some players further up the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, uh, he, you know, he's not as prolific as perhaps uh, McCauley or, or Dawson are. Yeah, where where would you rank him in terms of Albion centre backs at the moment? Say say you've got all your centre backs fit and available. Does Hagazi make the starting lineup? Of course he does. Yeah, him and Evans are the are the nailed on number two, uh, nailed on two defenders that you start with. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, even I know Dawson sees himself as a centre back, but guys, he's done enough to prove that he 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 should be the uh, the first choice. Absolutely, and McCauley, you know, 
has been a fantastic servant mm-hmm. and he's he was he's been superb for years. But even though he scored quite a lot of goals last season, there were signs that age was starting to creep up on him um, just a little bit. So yeah, I think um, yeah, him and Evans absolutely. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what happens in January if Evans goes mm-hmm. and somebody comes in. Will Hagazi look as good next to another defender? Will he have as as good a partnership? Yeah. I'm not. I don't know. We have to wait and see. But I I, I still think for four and a half million in, in in this day and age, in this market, yeah, good business. Yeah, and one last question regarding that. I mean, obviously, four and a half million is a, is a good deal. Um, I mean, it's it's almost similar to the one which they got for Gibbs. I mean, what was that, five million for him mm-hmm. in the summer? Um, is this going to restrict any spending that Alan Pardew may be doing in January now anyway? I mean, I know you've, I said, think you've so. said before that they may need to sell to buy. I don't think so. I think, actually, what it does is it opens up a loan spot. Mm-hmm. So it means that you can have, um, you know, uh, a loan from another... Uh, overseas club, uh, which might, which might give Pardew a bit more leeway to try and get someone in. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think it. I don't think it uh, would uh, tie tie up any more funds because I think that Albion were always planning um, to do this. It was, uh, it was included in the in the initial deal. I mean, the only reason it was a loan with a view to uh, to buy was because at the time Pulis loved Premier League experience. Mm. Um, and he wasn't 100% sure. He really liked him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, you have to give Doff your cap <laughs> to Pulis. Yeah. Um, pardon the pun. Um, for picking him out from, you know, he saw him at the African Cup of Nations and said, I want to get, uh, I think he looks like a good player. They scouted him, thought he was the one to, to get. Um, but the only reason they did it as a loan deal was be, yeah, because of that. Un, they were unsure that it, it would completely work out because you know he may have come and not got to grips with the Premier League, but he, he certainly has. Um, and so they've decided to make it permanent um, early doors, which uh, yeah makes sense. Um, so no, I don't think that will have any impact on the funds that Pardew does or doesn't have in January. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs to. He does need to sell to buy mainly because of the financial fair play. The Albion's you know wage. Bill is at its limit, mm-hmm. so if he wants to get any players in, he needs to offload a, a couple first. So, be interesting to see how much movement they do in January. Um, I think Pardew wanted to have a look at his squad and his team before he um, before he decided what to do, uh, but they still haven't won a game yet. So, you know, if they don't win against Stoke or Everton, I'm sure he'll be uh, going to uh, Richard Garlick and John Williams and uh, Guelch online saying, "Come on." I need to get somebody in. Mm, so it seems like a decent bit of transfer business. Uh, and we did liken him to Jonas Olsen. And um, we've got a little bit of a, uh, a recording, an interview, uh, which Matt did uh, with with the Swede uh, pre-Manchester United. We're going to play that for you guys now so you can get a listen in to Olsen. Talks about some really interesting stuff. Uh, and we'll, we'll discuss him a little bit after that. I'll give you background here then. Uh, so I flew in yesterday, yeah. yesterday afternoon. And... Uh, yeah, I was still went in early this morning to see the to see the lads and um, staying till it was a Monday. So I'm watching the game on Sunday. Okay. And back to sleep. Yeah. Can so. you give us a little bit of some idea of what your uh, uh, your ambassador charity work is at the moment, or what you? Yeah. So you know, we went out there a year and a half ago, and um, with the Albion Foundation, mm. and because uh, yeah, obviously I heard about all the job they're doing out there, and I want to see it with my with my own eyes. Mm. And uh, yeah, I was really affected by it, and I wanted to set something up for myself. Yeah. And uh, with the help of Ian and uh, and Rob Lake, mm. and, um, you know, we started something, uh, something by my, my well, 
my foundation. <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a good ride, and it's a long term commitment. And yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really proud of the work we're doing there. Okay. And uh, obviously working with the underprivileged kids sure. in Delhi in the slum. Yeah. Providing them with basic needs, healthcare, exercise, doing some football sessions when we're out there, and providing them with with kids to do that. And yeah. Kids who has hasn't got anything, of course. So. Yeah. Um, and like I said before, I think it's important to uh, yeah to invest funds in it, but also to invest time and, 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 yeah. and, and your uh, yourself in it. You clearly obviously feel very strongly about it. What was it, 18 months ago you went on there? Yeah. yeah. But just sort of cast your mind back again, sort of how you felt when you first sort of out there and first saw yeah. kind of what these young lads have to kind of deal with. I think being a dad yourself and you know, coming back to your daughter and you hugging her and realising she has <coughs> she has everything, she has all the opportunities to to go and, and chase her dreams and make make what she wants out of her life. And those kids just don't. And um, that's what really stuck to me. And uh, you see the young kids not aware of their situation, not aware of their um, um, faith, so to speak. But the older kids are slowly getting to that where uh, awareness, and you know that life is going to be it's going to be pretty hard. And that that hit me as well, and really stuck with me. See the older kids, the, the um, yeah, the loss of hope, realizing your situation. Um, we said, you know, we want to try to do our bit. It's a lot of you know, extraordinary people out there working for for a good cause, and we if we can do anything, we we want to do that. And, and yeah, I'm really proud of the work they've been doing. They've been really helping me to set up the foundation. Um, it's um, uh, yeah, work in progress, and then we'll keep working until we, yeah. until we hopefully you know makes a difference. Is this with a view for when you <coughs> playing properly finished playing? And, and I, I remember you saying you wanted to go into some kind of political uh, career. That was it. <laughs> that was an interview like ten years ago. It blew out of proportion, I think. But oh, I know I almost did it. <laughs> <laughs> No, speaking to you, I've always been interested in, 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 in you know, issues in society yeah. and injustice and sure. in society, not only in the, well, uh, in, the, in the third world, but also also yeah. here, of course. I've always yeah. been um, eager to to listen to and to understand why why yeah why people are the way they are and. and you know, not, not. I think we all sometimes uh, judge a little bit too easily. Yeah. And, and I think when I go out to India, and, and you get the feeling of, of, you know, you see different perspective and, and, and where people come from and why they they they, they act the way they do. Okay. And, and I think that's always been a, a, a thing that's interested me. Yeah. Also, also here. Like, yes. You know, where people come from and why. Everyone has a story, and, and uh, sure. everyone is, is is shaped shaped by that story. I yeah. would say mm-hmm. it, it, it makes you, um, I say, um, um, I think a more intelligent person when when you see the world and when you see different 
expected. Ah, okay. So that was the reason I wanted to come out there as well. Yeah. And um, leading back to your question, <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh, no, so I always wanted to. Then I think you have a platform as well as a footballer where you yeah. can, where you can do different, do a, you know. Still with your notes, I can't believe you can read those. <laughs> you know, that's why he blew yours out of proportion ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, had to, I had to guess at what I read. <laughs> no, but you have a you have a platform, and, and yeah. when you have it, uh, you know you might as well use it for something good. Yes, and uh, that's what I'm hoping to do there, and that's what I was trying to imply ten years ago. I think. Yeah, sure. And, yeah. Um, one, one final send up for you then. <coughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be, uh, be very special for me. Um, you know, I left in such a hurry mid season last year, uh, as it always is. It, you know, it's, you know I, I think I spoke with the Swedish club on a Monday, and then on a Sunday it was a done deal. So I didn't really have the chance to, to say goodbye, not to the people here or to the people uh, um, at the hotels, you know, the fans. So. It'd be good to, to see him. I think we had a, a special bond you know, yeah. when I was there, and, and uh, they've always been good to me. I felt included and, and welcome from, from the first day. Uh, so it, it'd, be, it'd be really nice to, to see it and then to, to, to take, take the pitch for a, for a final time. You've had quite a few visitors in Sweden, haven't you, Albion fans? Yeah, yeah, they've been really good sports coming out there. Uh, I think there was one. They were out in the stag, I think, and uh, <laughs> as, you, as you do. And uh, I think it was the game I scored. Uh, scored twice, which I was not going to do, of course. Yeah. So uh, and then another group came. I think it was a derby game. And uh, yeah, I think they, they enjoyed it. The atmosphere is, I would say, is brilliant. Yeah. The the home games is uh, well, it's very different, but uh, but I would say the, the atmosphere is is, is excellent. How are you getting on in your football team over there? Did yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, so the f- season just just finished, and we finished. We end up third, so qualified for Europa League next year. Uh, so that's a good, yeah, a good season. Uh, uh, it's a big club, but they've been struggling the last last decade or so. So um, yeah, it was a it was a it was a good season. So I'm looking forward to to next season. Uh, probably be my final one. Uh, I think so. Yeah. But um, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, to. Well, I'm not looking forward to pre-season, but apart <laughs> <laughs> from that, I'm looking forward to to do to do a full season. Yeah. And see what that takes. Will you catch up with a few old friends on Sunday from the, on the, who will actually be playing in the game? Uh, sorry. Will you catch up with a few old friends who will be playing in the game? The uh, from the Manchester United side. Uh, well, if Satan is there, I might say to hi to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, obviously. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be with. I think with with Mosa understands he's still injured, so I okay. can watch the game with him. Yeah, and uh, it'd, be, it'd just be nice to be in around the Hawthorns. I think. Yeah, you know? yeah, so oh, yeah, yeah. Watch sure. it as a as a spectator. That that'd be a, yeah. um, a different situation, of course, but oh, yeah. one I'm looking forward to. I know when we spoke to you before Zlatan moved moved to United, you you were always confident that he would he would come to England and. Make an impact, yeah. and, la- and he did. Yeah. Last season, he did. <laughs> so, you, I guess you weren't surprised in the, in the least to see that. No, no, not at all. And I, I knew his qualities. He's been, you know, and everywhere he's gone, he's, he's been doing so well. So, um, I wasn't surprised at all. And I think it's just, uh, you know, to come back from that injury he's had as well at 36 is that is remarkable. 
Uh, and um, yeah, hopefully he'll get some minutes on Sunday. It'll be good to see him play. Do you have any doubt that? I mean, it's obviously harder to come back from that kind of injury at 36 than it would be at 26. Do you, knowing him as a personality, do you have any doubt that he'll, he'll make a success of that as well? No, I don't have any doubts. I think he, all his career and all his life has been, you know, on his terms. He will, he will, you know, if he wants to get back, he'll get back. He's back now. It's only, I think, it's seven months since the injury, major injury. So, of course, it will take some time to to get fully fit. But uh, he, he will get there. He's, I read somewhere now there's there were doubts and it's, yeah, but that's been throughout his whole career you know like like you said when he came over here he had doubts and he's always proven the the critics wrong so I'm sure he'll he'll do that again. So Matt, we've just heard from Olsen uh, re- a really good little chat with him. Um, just how important was Olsen when he was at the club and how well loved is he at, at the Hawthorns still? Well, he was at, he was integral to establishing. Albion in the Premier League. Um, I've, let's not forget that. I mean, I know his performances. It'd be unfair to say that. Well, maybe they did tail off a bit towards the end of his career mm-hmm. um, at the Albion. Um, the Premier League probably got a bit too fast-paced for him. But for years and years, he was an absolute bedrock of that defence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you want to know how much he means to the to the fans, you just have to see what happened at the Hawthorns before the game on Sunday, when he came out onto the pitch, put the ball on the plinth and was given you know, a standing ovation by all of the fans you know, mm. and um, the Smethic was singing his name. He gave a big thumbs up to the Smethic. He had a real affinity with the fans. He was a cult hero here and he was a joy to interview as well, mm-hmm. I, I must say. Um, really pleasant man um, who, you know, as we heard about his, his charity work there, really wants to make a difference in the world he, not your not your average footballer, um, a man with a bit more of a hinterland, mm-hmm. um, a man who, who who you know realizes his place in the world, realizes how fortunate he is, and wants to make a difference. And I'm really happy to see him doing that. Um, he's not even retired yet; he's still playing. You know, he could mm-hmm. be in the Europa, he could, well, he will be in the Europa League next year. So he's he's having a great um, he's having a great time of it. Uh, you know, over in Sweden, and um, I'm really pleased that he's he's gone back there and and um, and done well. And um, I'm sure all the, all the Baggies fans um, will wish him well with whatever he decides to do when he retires. I mean, if you want to know just you know the measure of the man, he Albion fans went on their stag do to go <laughs> to go and see him um, in, in the season. So yeah, much loved, and I'm glad he he came back and had that um, that goodbye because uh, he definitely deserved it after his his somewhat abrupt departure uh, mm-hmm. towards the end of last season. Do you think his presence is missed a little bit still at the Hawthorns? I mean, he's been replaced on the pitch, but can you really replace someone who was such a, a warrior, such a talisman for Albion? It's an interesting concept. I mean, maybe maybe he his battling performances, you know, ground out results, where, whereas Albion have struggled to do that in the last few months. Um, I don't know. I mean, they've got lots of experienced heads in that dressing room, like Sir Foster McCauley. Mm-hmm. Evans, Brunt, Morrison. So I don't know if it, I'm sure he's a miss. I'm sure you know both him and Darren Fletcher. You know, big personalities and, mm-hmm. and, and big names in the dressing room. But I, it's hard. It's hard to say whether how much of an impact that has had. Um, as you say, he's probably been replaced on the on the pitch by Higazi yeah. in, in, in many ways. Um, has he been replaced in the dressing room? It's hard to say, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it, 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 
I don't think you should underestimate how much of a, how important he was, um, you know, to that to that dynamic over mm-hmm. the last sort of eight to eight or nine years. Yeah, well, you know, we certainly wish uh, Jonas all the best with all the charity work he's doing. It really is a great cause. So uh, do do look into that if you've got a chance. Uh, we'll move on now. Well, I've got a little bit of a segment prepared for you, Matt. Uh, it's a very quick one. This is one. Uh, it's pretty simple. It's called fill in the blank. I will give you a sentence with uh, one blank in it, and you will just basically give me a word or a number to fill in that blank. So I'll start with the first one here. Uh, Oliver Burke will score blank goals this season. Oh, goodness. Um, two. Two. Yeah. You reckon he'll finally start getting into a little bit, little bit of a role, or do you reckon it's going to be, you know... Uh, well, based on what Pardew said at the weekend, I don't. I think he's going to be back on the bench. Um, you know, he didn't criticise him. He said, look, mm. he, he made a couple of errors in, in defence, and he's raw, we need to work on it. Burke himself admitted that he need he was learning on the pod. You need to learn a bit, and that's that's the player I saw. You know, a raw youngster who's got a bit of potential going forward, but needs to work on his defensive um, duties. I just don't know if he'll get the game time mm-hmm. to uh, to get many, many more goals than that. Um, to be honest, uh, based on what part you said, you said you know I'd like to use him when we're winning games in in the last few minutes. You know. If Albion are winning one 0 he's the perfect player to bring off the bench against mm. tired legs, and you can break and counter when you're getting uh, when you're under the cosh. Um, I think that's probably going to be his role moving forward. Um, I would be surprised if he started against Stoke. Mm. Uh, Alan Pardew will sign blank players in January. Uh, I'm going to go with two again. Two again? Any 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 of them on loan or ah? Uh, maybe three maybe three I think you'll get a couple of loans and maybe one permanent nice nice uh, West Brom will sell blank players in January ooh sell I'm going to go with uh, two two Johnny Evans and one other Nasser Chadley maybe Maybe I we we're, Chadley should be hopefully available for Stoke. Mm-hmm. Pardew hasn't seen him yet in a game. He he wants he wants to use him. He wants him back in his team. The the impression I get and what I've been told is that Chadley is far more positive now that Pulis has gone. You know he had that big fallout with him in the summer. Yeah, it's a clean slate for him, um, and I just don't know who's going to buy him mm. in January. Yeah, would you reckon that whole thing with Pulis was um, swept under the rug a little bit because we didn't make that much of it when it happened? They said, "Oh no, it's all really amicable." Do you think it was maybe a little bit worse than that between him and Pulis? Do you reckon there really was a bridge burnt there? Well, Chadley wanted to leave. Mm. He he um, yeah yeah yeah. Well yeah, he wanted to leave, and um, Pulis was fuming that he didn't go to pre-season. Mm. So yeah, it was it was a it was a it was a blazing row at the time, um, and there, you know I think. Pulis wanted to get him back in his side because he knew how good he was or knew yeah. how good he could be, but he wasn't completely enamoured with his work ethic. Will Pardew be the same? I mean, it remains to be seen. He, Chadley's only just got back on the training pitch, yeah. And Pardew has said that he likes him and he likes um, what you know his creativity. And I think almost desperate times, mm-hmm. you, you try anything. You know, he, I think. Um, if, if he's available, Chadley will be in the team soon. Yeah. Um, but he's got to prove it. He's got to prove it, not only to Pardew, but also to the Albion fans. Because apart from that 
sort of first six games where he, where he was fantastic. He's flat to deceive, really. Mm-hmm. Missed a lot of chances towards the end of last season. Um, so he's got a lot of, um, even though Pulis is gone, he's got a lot of bridges to build with uh, the Albion fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, West Brom will finish blank in the table. Oh, don't. Um, 16th. 16th. All right, cool. We'll take um, that. Yeah, I'm staying positive. I mean, and that's a sign of how bad things have got, that 16th is staying positive. But mm-hmm. they are second bottom. And even though the table is tight, I think they're only four points off 12th. Um, so a couple of wins will, will move them up. I think I think it's going to be a relegation fight all the way to the end for Albion this season. I'd love, I think, 16th. I think, I'm hoping that we don't go down to the final day. Maybe yeah. the second, sec, penultimate day of the season. Uh, they'll guarantee their safety, I'm hoping. Let's hope so. Okay, we've got some questions from uh, West Brom fans we've asked on Twitter and we have had a number of come in. Uh, we'll start with Phil McCaig. Uh, I, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Uh, how You've actually answered this one on Twitter, so it's probably not the best one to start with, but we'll go with it anyway. How far away are Chadley, Morrison and Phillips? Uh, Chadley and uh, Phillips are hopefully going to be available for Stoke. Chadley's definitely back into training. Um, Phillips, Pardew said on, fri- on Friday that he was he was very close. He was just feeling it, just feeling his hamstring and they didn't want to uh, risk him because um, if you... If you're not ready to go 100% as a winger, especially, well, even as any player, really, but if you're not ready to go 100% with a hamstring, you'll end up tearing it again. Mm-hmm. So he said, look, we've just got to be, uh, we've got to give him the time to come back. And considering the amount of injuries that Phillips has had to his hamstring, I think that's um, only right. Uh, he has come back too early in the past and done it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so he needs to give, be given time. Um, so hopefully Stoke... Um, for Chadley and Phillips. Morrison, though, just seems to be rumbling on his Achilles problem and mm-hmm. I don't think he'll be back available for Stoke or Everton. Yeah, it's always a worrying injury in Achilles, isn't it? No, they never seem to be go away quickly. No, I think he, I think we could be looking for the new year for that. Mm. Uh, a couple of questions regarding Jake Livermore. Why, why, uh, why is Livermore favoured? Um, a lot of people questioning how much he actually contributes through 90 minutes. Why is Livermore favoured? Well, I think because of his um, fitness levels, the fact that he hustles and bustles and gets around the pitch a lot um you know i i actually think he's played well the last maybe four or five games um since Pulis left um he's played better he's especially at anfield he was getting further up the pitch he he, he was um providing more of an attacking threat mm-hmm. but listen he's not a creative midfielder he's a holding midfielder yeah. and I think the problems that Albion have are more to the, to the fact that they've got too many holding midfielders and not enough creative midfielders um, so yeah you've got Jakob Krakowiak and Livermore all, all sort of trying to do the same job there um, yeah. why is he I think he's I think he's he's liked and I think he gets starts because um, he is normally quite reliable mm-hmm. if not um, if uh, it doesn't take many risks, um, if not, you know, sort of eye-catching. Mm. Uh, Sophia Outlines asks, if Evans goes, who replaces him as captain and what effect will that have on the team? Well, Livermore's vice-captain, mm-hmm. so it would probably be him, unless Pardew thinks that somebody else is ready to step up. I think he'll probably um, either give it to Livermore or Gareth Barry mm. um, as the two experienced heads. In the in in the group, um, I can't try to think of anybody else who could possibly stand in. Uh, no, I think it'd be between Livermore and Barry. Mm. Uh, Nath asks, uh, why are we paying Gregor Kokoviak 
so, such a high amount of money when Sunfield has arguably offered more in the games he's played. And plus we're you know stunting his development by playing Kukoviak ahead of him. It's a good question. And um, it's one that you know the the board needs to really answer, I suppose, because why have they why do they agree to get a loan deal for Kukoviak on a hundred k a week mm-hmm. when they already had Jakob Livermore um, and Sam Field and Gareth Barry as well at the club? Mm-hmm. You know, four holding midfielders who were, could do a job there. Um, I think at the time they they felt that Kukovic could be a more box to box man. I know last season Pulis was aching to get a box to box dynamic midfielder. He didn't want he wanted to move away from that sort of holding midfield role that that Jakob was doing. Um, but actually, what a what it what what we seem to have seen this season is that Albion need a holder mm-hmm. and they need a number ten. Uh, that's probably how the the best they work. And this this box to box. Patrick Vieira um, style that some, that people are trying to get to is, is is very difficult in the Premier League and it's a bit of a myth now. I mean, there's only a few players that can really do it. Mm-hmm. Kante's probably one, you know. Um, you don't come across them every day of the week, though, do you? You don't. Uh, you know, you even look at United, they play with two holding midfielders in, in, in Matic and mm-hmm. Herrera. So I think um, Albion may have been a bit over... Uh, overshot themselves somewhat in that in that department, um, and maybe over over th- overthought what uh, what Krakowiak can do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very good point. You know, Samfield has looked you know very good when he's been played in his correct position. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if Krakowiak. I don't. I'd be surprised if Krakowiak left in January um, because I can't see any other clubs picking up his wages. Yeah. You know, he's he's he's, he's agreed to stay come here for. Uh, the whole of the uh, the whole of the um, the season, he needs to play games because it's a World Cup year. Yeah. Um, but I just can't see anybody else picking up his hundred k a week wage packet based, you know, abroad or in the Premier League. Cause he hasn't done it in the Premier League, so why mm-hmm. would anybody else do it in the Premier League? And abroad, you know, there are very few clubs that can afford that. So yeah, it's uh, it looks like he might be staying for the season. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully you can uh, rediscover some of the form which you saw. Uh so Rabian, you know, you know, paying out that kind of cash in in his wages. Uh, we'll move on now. Obviously, um, Stoke away, the next game for Albion. Um, bit of a different proposition to Manchester United, isn't it? Stoke really struggling. Mark Hughes under pressure now. Um, it's almost similar to that Swansea game where you'd think three points are a necessity. Absolutely. I mean, it's a massive game. <laughs> I mean, we've got a season of massive games, really. Mm. Southampton away, Huddersfield away, Swansea away, and they were all big games, and they lost them all, mm. um, and they were all against out of form teams, poor teams as well. Yeah, they need to start winning these games. They if they have got any hope of staying up, they have to start winning these games. Stoke are dreadful. Mark Hughes is on the brink. He's on the rack. He looks like a manager who is next in line for the chop. They can't defend. They've shipped nine goals in the last three games. They've shipped so many goals recently. They can't. They 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 are low in confidence. This has to be a game that Albion get a win from because otherwise you become that team that well I think they already are that team that mm. um, other teams think well we can get a win against them. Yeah, they've only won two games all season. They were the first two games of the season. Even even Swansea have won more games than that. Mm-hmm. Everybody else in the league has won more games than that. At some point, these draws have to become wins. It has to be this weekend because 
hard to lose that and um without unless they get massive help in January it's it looks it's looking really really bleak mm. I've got a lot of Stoke uh, fans as, as friends of mine I used to live in and around the area and I'm not going to lie the atmosphere around the Bet365 now it's turned to- a lot of the friends on my friends on Twitter they're not happy with Hughes and they're really not They've, I mean they thank him for some of the football they played when he first came in but they really want him out now and we know the Bet365 is a hostile place to go but is it almost twisted now against against you? So it's it's almost better to be playing there than it is at home. That's a good point. It could be, yeah. If you get if they if Baggy start brightly, they can get the home crowd on their backs. Mm. Then yeah, absolutely. They need to come flying out the traps though. Hopefully, with a week of preparation, they will. There have been promising signs under Pardew. We all know that. Mm-hmm. But they need to turn it into goals and they need to turn it into results. Hopefully, that goal um, scrambled effort from Gareth Barry mm-hmm. against May United. Given the confidence to go and score a few more goals now um, against an absolutely dreadful defence mm-hmm. um, that has lost now oh, every little last bit of Pulis in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know it, it definitely looks like a Mark Hughes defence now. So I think, um, yeah, they've got it's a huge game. I mean, obviously you can't call anything you can't call anything at this stage of the season a must win. Mm-hmm. I don't think, and you know it, you can't predict what's going to happen. If Albion lose a player to a red card in the first five minutes, it changes the dynamic of the game. Yeah. But I think this is a game where they are there for the taking. Under Pulist, they were guilty of not going for teams. I don't think they'll do that under Pardew. I think Pardew's going to be... He keeps saying he wants his teams to show ambition, move forward. I think he'll pick an attacking lineup. I think he'll go for it from the start. And they have to, and I think that'll be the way to win the game. And I just hope they do. I mean, they, they've got to win at some stage because it's 17 games now without a win mm. in all competitions it's not a good stat is it I mean and two players who obviously will know well uh, Darren Fletcher and Saido Berahino both in the Stoke ranks now does that add a little bit more fire to some of the players I know Pardew wasn't around when they were but would you reckon some of the players will be fired up for it uh, if James Morrison was on the pitch he might want to beat Saido Berahino but <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of uh, no I mean everybody Darren Fletcher was very well liked by everyone at the club mm-hmm. um, I don't think Saido's getting a game at the moment he so. struggled he struggled so much since he's gone there I mean he had I, I don't think he scored yet in he the hasn't league. scored and he had a penalty which he missed I mean yeah. he's just another he's one so low on confidence yeah. I mean it's it's crazy I mean three years ago this was a, a, a man touted with a move to Spurs absolutely I mean and just you've said that now, so he's probably going to score a winner in a one-nil Stoke win, yeah. isn't he? But um, don't yeah, you jinxed us there. But I, I, no, I, in all seriousness, um, I don't think that will really play on their minds at all. They're going to be focusing on what they need to do to mm-hmm. beat to win. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to really be bothered by uh, Berahino. Um, and even though they'll give Fletcher, you know, a very warm embrace when they see him. I don't think that's going to play on their minds either. Yeah, that's, I suppose the biggest the biggest worry in terms of the Stoke ranks would probably be someone like Shaqiri, maybe Peter Crouch if he comes on because he can cause a little bit of trouble in the box. Yeah, those two, I suppose, are the the, the, the biggest threats. Chupo Moting has looked okay at times this season, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, Hughes has fallen out with Hesse, though, so he's not getting on. Uh, they're, they're Real Madrid star you know, in many ways. Another lone player. Another lone player, just like Krakowiak and Renato Sanchez not doing the business. So mm. it's not really working out for these uh, mid-table Premier League clubs, these uh, exotic European loans, are they? But mm. uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, they've got to be... I think it, actually the one thing is that, that Albion have done under Pardew is, is, shorn, is shored up the defence a little bit. So mm. yeah, I think um, I, I'm, I'm still positive. I still think they'll, they'll get a win at Stoke. But like I say, if they don't there, I, I 
don't know where they're going to get a win from. Mm. Uh, obviously, after that, they face a Boxing Day clash with Everton. Uh, it's at the Hawthorns. Uh, I mean, you'd wanted you wanted to face Everton about a month ago, didn't you? Really? Yeah, you wanted to face them when they were shipping goals for fun under David Unsworth. Mm. I think Sam Allardyce has come in and had an immediate effect, and they've got a very good squad. Um, but again, it should be a game that Albion target victory in because it's a home game against an Everton side that is okay, riding a bit of a crest of a wave at the moment. Done mm-hmm. quite well recently, but they're you know they're still probably they're still probably scarred from that start of the season. Um, yeah. So I reckon if you can get at them, you know this it, it's not like facing Man United at home. Mm-hmm. This is this is a game that Albin could get three points at if they if they play well. Yeah, so well, we'll get a quick prediction from you for both those games. So Stoke away first, um, obviously a big big game for both clubs, especially for West Brom, given the run they're on. <laughs> yeah, keeping the faith, I'm going to go for a scrappy one nil win for the Baggies. See, I'd like to think it'll be a two nil. I'd like to think that Albin will get one, Stoke will try and push, and then they'll nick one possibly on the break afterwards. But following that, Everton uh, at home, Boxing Day game, Matt? Draw. Draw. One all, I reckon Rooney will bag one probably. And um, uh, well, I don't know, Rodriguez maybe will we'll get a goal. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, echoing those sentiments. I think it's going to be a score draw. Um, well, Matt, uh, hopefully we'll... Uh, be reconvening after after Christmas. Is this it? Till Christmas? This, yeah, this is it. This is it. This is the last one until Christmas. I need to go to the shops. <laughs> I still need to do a fair bit of wrapping, I know that. Uh, but hopefully we'll be coming back on the crest of a bit of an Albion wave uh, for once. So it'd be nice to see a couple results. A couple wins would be really, really good heading into the new year. Um, so Matt, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Luke. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. Uh, we do ask for uh, all your uh, all your thoughts, any comments, and uh, we really would love some iTunes reviews. The more reviews we get, the higher we end up ranking in there. So do offer your thoughts on there. Um, we will see you guys in the new year. So Merry Christmas to one and all, and hopefully a couple wins for the Albion.